Good morning. Welcome to All Souls on this Sunday in the middle of a holiday blur. I want to welcome you here and thank you for choosing to join us today. I want the visitors to know that they're invited to anything they see on our lists of activities. Um, Diversity is really important to us in this tradition, and because of that, we do everything we can to get along with people and respect differences of opinion, of of faith position, of, of beliefs. So whoever you are, whatever your uh, history, identity, origin, orientation, background, ethnicity, economic status, health care (laughs) plan, you're welcome here and uh, we hope you'll come back. If you want to receive the newsletter, there's a card you can fill out that's in the pew in front of you. You put that in the offering basket a little bit later and let us know if you want to get the newsletter, if you want someone to call you, or uh, if you want to find out more information about the church. Uh, Let's see. I'm just clueless up here. Christmas Eve service will be here at 6.30 on Tuesday evening. We'll have a, a number of classical musicians and uh, the choir will do a number of songs and the candlelight in these windows is just absolutely gorgeous. So uh, if you get a chance, come join us for that. The trees, the oak trees, are going to be planted tomorrow at 11. So anybody that's available, from what I understand, they cut this big plug, like five feet, four or five feet in diameter, out of the earth. Move it, and then put these large trees, or way large for being transplanted anyway, down and it's and it's an interesting process. If you would like to see that, that's at eleven tomorrow. Out front, we're have, we're planting trees for Christmas instead of cutting them down. So happy uh, solstice. They're live oaks. They're not fir trees. Big old live oaks. I have no. Oh. Um, I wanted to, I asked Susan if I could do the welcome this morning and then forgot it was going to be my job. Um, But I wanted to do this because I wanted us to uh, recognize that this season carries a lot of different feelings with it for a lot of people. And so I would invite us to be uh, mindful of one another and... um, and gentle on ourselves and each other in this season. Would you please turn off or silence your electronic distractions?
and let us enter the spirit of worship. We have come through the longest night, and now, even as many days of early darkness lie ahead, we look forward to the return of the sun. We really do. We all have seasons in life. The planet does, and we do. We all have to enter a time of darkness, a time of waiting for the light to return. In these times, we hold each other's hands. We are together in community. We sing we light candles, we offer our light to each other, knowing that in time, the greater light will return. With joy, we claim the growing light, says one of our hymns. And yet, let us also claim the rest and solace that darkness can bring. Let us claim with joy the balance of light and dark as we wait for the sun's return, finding comfort in the rituals and the traditions to which we return. Sam? Every time we are together in worship, worship, we celebrate our first principle. We covenant to, to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We value the individual and honor the idea that each of us has light to shine to the, on the world. Every time we are together in worship, we celebrate our first source direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which, move, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Through our own senses, we discover blessings, beauty, and grace we cannot create. And this season of our church year, which we call the season of light, we celebrate the wise ones through our third and fourth sources, which are, number three, wisdom from the world's religions, which inspires us in our ethical and spiritual life. And number four, Jewish and Christian teachings, which call us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. The candles that were previously lighted represent the principles and sources we highlighted earlier this year. If you'll stand in body or spirit and join us in the unison affirmation, it's printed in your order of service. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need, to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the sacred. Thus do we covenant with each other. Thank you. Over 50 years I've been hearing these kinds of jokes. <laughs> Don't laugh, Sam. You're going to get them for 50 years, too. Um, so we, I, I want to talk about several traditions we have. So the, so the, the first tradition I want to tell you about is actually one that goes back to my mother. 
And so my mother was born in 1930 when she was growing up. She grew up in, in Detroit, Michigan. And it's, it's, you know, it's cold in the winter there. It snows. And back then, they didn't get a lot of fresh fruit in the winter. And so every Christmas, in their, their stockings, they would get, uh, wow, somebody turned up the gain on me. <laughs> every Christmas, um, in their stockings, they would get an orange. And so when I was growing up, every Christmas in our stockings, we would get an orange. And we would say, oh, Mom, not another orange. But it was important to her. And then we were living in, I was living in England during my postdoc, and um, we made this great discovery. And, and the great discovery that we made in, in England was Cadbury's chocolate. And in particular, what we discovered were... These chocolate oranges. So now every year we get chocolate oranges in our stocking, which is a whole lot better than real oranges. And in fact, um, Barbara was lamenting the fact that we don't have any rituals in our church. And, and so I have a suggestion. I think that we have, um, uh, what's that thing they do in the Catholic churches? The, with the wafer communion. I think we have to have chocolate communion where instead of wafers we have slices of chocolate and instead of wine okay you can keep the wine <laughs> that, that part they did right so that's one tradition we have we have another tradition which is the advent calendar and it's not really an advent calendar I was at a garage sale a few years ago and I discovered this advent house and so I, I thought you know that looks great. Sam will like that. And so I got the Advent house. And now our tradition is, now you might think that our tradition is that every year I get it out on December 1st and fill it with chocolate and then we open it one by one. That's not our tradition. Our tradition is every year on December 1st, I think, I should get out that Advent house. <laughs> and then on December 7th, I think, you know, I really have to get that out that Advent house and put some chocolate in it. And then finally, about 10 days before Christmas, I actually get it out and I put chocolate in it. And so then we open it up for the remaining 10 days of the, of the year. And so my hope is that eventually I'll pass this house on to Sam and he'll continue with the tradition with his kids where on December 15th he'll get it out <laughs> and give them to his children. And then the last tradition we have that I want to talk about is actually I... I um, Went to, after I got divorced, I started going to garage sales because I needed stuff, right? And I would always look for things not only for, for the house, but I would look for a surprise for Sam. And sometimes Sam would come with me. And, and at one of the garage sales, and I've always liked wooden soldiers, and at one of the garage, or nutcrackers, and at one of the garage sales, they had some nutcrackers, and Sam liked them. And so now every year, since that time, every year I try and have a wooden soldier or a nutcracker underneath the tree for Sam. Thanks. Tell you a secret. 
when DREs get together and we have, a, we have worship and we have a ritual, we have often had chocolate communion. Our offertory words this morning come from the book, the book of the book of First John in the Christian Testament. No one has ever seen God. If we love one, our God lives in us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. There is no fear in love, for love, for perfect love casts out fear. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. No one has ever seen God. If we love one, our God lives within us. For the... For this place where we know that God or good comes into the world, through our own hands, we will now accept the gifts of the people. In our time of reflection, I want to read you a story that my friend Laurie Simmons posted on Facebook a couple of days ago. Laurie is a piano teacher in Fort Worth who teaches in her students' homes, and she wrote, Last night I had a very powerful experience. I was at one of my students' houses for our final lesson of the year. We had just completed our musical Christmas song puzzle and she wanted to go sing it for her mom. When we walked into the kitchen, her mom was down on the floor kneeling and I thought she had dropped something and was looking for it. And I made some joke like, oh, the kids got you down on your knees. But when she looked up at me, she was crying. I immediately held out my hands and lifted her to her feet. She had just received a text message from a friend who had gone into labor five weeks early and was on the way to the hospital. And this mother said to me, have you ever had one of those moments where you just had to stop right where you are and drop to your knees and pray? And I asked her what her friend's name was and then we two moms held hands and sent out a special prayer and wish for this new little baby coming. All this time, my six-year-old student was waiting patiently to sing the musical puzzle song she had figured out. She asked her mom, would this be a good time to sing you a song? We were grateful for the beautiful sound of a child singing a Christmas song at that moment. I was grateful I was the one person on the planet who was there when this young mother of three girls needed someone to hold her hand. This morning, I received a text message that both mother and the new baby were well. It made me think of another young mother who had nowhere to go and gave birth to her baby boy in a stable. Blessings to all this season who need a little extra help and a hand to hold. So let us be the light for each other. Let us give the gift of our presence. Let us make room in the end of our listening spirits, our loving hearts, our hands to help or just to hold. Let us simply sit and be with that potential in us as we enter the silence. On the cover of your order of service is a landmark. 
you, few of you may recognize it. Some, one of you in particular may recognize it. Um, it's the water tower in my hometown of Alexandria, Louisiana, decorated for the holiday season. And I always love to see the lights on that tower. The giant jellyfish, I always called it. Although at the time I thought I was the only one who'd ever had that idea and I've seen it just pop up all over the place on the net now. Oh, it's the giant jellyfish. I love that. Um, but it helped to herald the beginning of the Christmas season and as I rode around town with my parents wherever we were going, it could be seen from a great distance or at least from a distance that seemed great in my young mind. I was an only child, so ours were the traditions of a small family. We have a large extended family on both sides, but we always visited them in the summer and only occasionally, maybe on Thanksgiving. But we never left home at Christmas. Mom always made divinity and fudge and fruitcake for all of our friends and the fruitcake from a recipe from my paternal grandmother, a woman neither of us ever got to meet. But I'm probably one of the few people who ever grew up with positive associations toward fruitcake because it was really good stuff. Ours was always a warm and small and intimate Christmas. Lots of laughter, lots of love, but in a small space for three, four, including the cat, who pretty much grew up with me because she lived to be 18. A year that I remember well and remarkably fondly, this is not going to be a totally sad story, I promise, is the first Christmas my father and I spent without my mom after she passed away. I had gone to college early. I was 16 that October when she lost that final battle with ovarian cancer, and I had just turned 17 when I came home from college for the holidays. We had dreaded the entire season that year, and I think we both hoped we could just sleep through it. And yet, unexpected hands reached out. My father had been attending some social engagements with the family of a high school classmate of mine with whom I had been friendly but not terribly close. However, in the time that I'd been away at school, Dad had gotten to know the family fairly well, and they invited us to their home for both Thanksgiving and Christmas. They were a large, boisterous Greek family. I knew Mike, his sister Patty, and their parents, Steve and Juanita Talambas. And at these holiday dinners, I met Steve's brother, Spiro, a joyful barrel of a man, and Spiro's wife, Tula, who could have been one of the aunts in my big fat Greek wedding. The meal was exquisite. Juanita had knocked herself out. She had prepared all the Christmas classics, as well as the Greek favorites, like stuffed grape leaves and, of course, rich baklava for dessert, although I actually think Eric may have her beat on the baklava. Um, but Tula spoke English beautifully, but she had not completely mastered all the idioms of the language. And so at one point during this beautiful meal, in that, you know, in that silent time where everybody is just kind of, oh, so good and just kind of enjoying it, and maybe nobody has spoken for the last few seconds, Tula says, it's so nice when Nita makes something we can eat. There was a long pause, and Spiro declared, Tula, that sounded terrible. And Tula blushed and giggled, and everyone laughed. And Juanita assured Tula that she had understood her sister-in-law's meaning, and it was all good. 
But what I remember and always will about this gathering is that it was so different from the Christmas we'd known and for that reason, so wonderful and so absolutely what we needed. That family was present for us. They were the bearers of light in our darkness. They made room in the inn for some lonely travelers trying desperately to give birth to a new life, something I doubt we could have ever done if we tried to stay in that house of fresh loss and recreate something that was no longer to be. I will be forever grateful, and this is what we can do for each other at this time of year. Be present to each other. Make room in the end for those who need your comforting spirit. As we extinguish our chalice, may we take its light within us, that we might be bearers of the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the energy of action.